The calendar will soon be turning to a new year, but as White Sox fans, we will continue to wonder uh, what the Sox are going to do at second base and why is this so difficult to figure out. The White Sox had several moments in 2022 that could have been viewed as the absolute worst in all of baseball, uh, but there were a few that really stood out. Also, birthdays and anniversaries, plus Danny Mendick joins the party in New York. You are Locked On White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Sox fans, welcome to Locked on White Sox. Thank you for making Locked on White Sox your first listen each and every day. Uh, we're free and available on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Sox. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, just search Locked on White Sox. Hey, I'm your host, Nick Murawski, a lifelong diehard Chicago White Sox fan recording this podcast just blocks from the ballpark in beautiful Bridgeport. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTV. Really appreciate you letting me steal some of your time to talk off-season White Sox. Lockdown White Sox is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Dallas Keuchel and Tony LaRusa were involved in some of baseball's very worst of 2022 Another year approaches and the ongoing debate over second base continues. A happy birthday to a White Sox legend and a manager that deserved uh, better. Uh, folks, welcome back to Lockdown White Sox. We are in the off-season mode, uh, and this podcast has shifted to three episodes a week instead of five. But again, if there is some major news on the White Sox front, that episode number can always be modified. Uh, look for episodes this week, of course, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week. Um, hopefully you had a wonderful holiday weekend. Uh, got some news and notes and odds and ends to get to. Some of the stuff we didn't uh, touch on uh, last week before the uh, Christmas break. Hey, a happy belated birthday to former White Sox manager Ricky Renteria. He celebrated a birthday on Christmas Day. Boy, I, I really liked Ricky Renteria. Um, I was there at Sox Fest in uh, January 2017 when he was kind of uh, formally introduced to the fan base uh, as the next manager going forward, the manager that was going to have to navigate the White Sox through this uh, rebuild. And, uh, man, I was ready to run through a brick wall for the guy uh, after hearing everything he had to say and and how the White Sox are going to play and his philosophy and his passion. And, you know, it really felt like, uh, you know, the old the old saying, uh, Ricky's boys don't quit. It, it felt like that. I mean, it felt like they really played hard for him. You didn't hear about a lot of drama. He didn't have a lot to work with. That's for sure. Take a look at some of those lineups. Uh, during that stretch, 2017, uh, 2018, uh, 2019, things might have started to turn the corner. They had that big off season in 2019, uh, brought in some guys. And then, of course, uh, the COVID shortened season of 2020. Sox, Sox were a dynamic team, uh, making the playoffs for the first time in a long time, won a playoff game uh, in Oakland. 
Uh, and I, man, I really thought Ricky Renta, Ricky Renteria was going to be the guy that uh, was going to, they were going to go with for a little while. As soon, as soon as they would give him some more pieces and that team was formed, honestly, I think he could have taken that 2021 team and, and won the division. You didn't need Tony LaRussa, uh, you know, to, to help that team win the division. Uh, so look, uh, should Ricky Renteria have stayed as manager? Uh, why not? I mean, honestly, like th that was a quick hook. I think they gave him. I think that was all Jerry Reinsdorf's doing. Uh, he wanted to somehow push his guy, Tony LaRussa, in, and he did. He got his way. Uh, anyway, uh, really appreciated the Ricky Renteria era. I think as time goes on, we will look back, and I think he will definitely be regarded uh, in, in, a, in a bright way of what he did and what he had to manage the White Sox through. Couldn't cut it towards the end of 2020. And then obviously we saw what happened in the postseason. And apparently uh, that was enough uh, for the Sox organization. And we all know what happened moving forward. But happy belated birthday to him. Happy birthday to Carlton Fisk, uh, celebrating a birthday on December 26th. Uh, in his mid-70s already, the commander, uh, Pudge. Uh, Carlton Fisk uh, obviously started his career uh, with the Boston Red Sox. And came to the White Sox with really as the bit as the first big signing and one of the really the biggest signings in White Sox history. But the first big signing by the Reinsdorf organization came over uh, in 81 and uh, obviously uh, was a fan favorite. He was my first favorite player growing up. Uh, I don't know if you had this experience. Uh, you play in Little League and whatever position you were playing in Little League. Well, you, you tried to figure out, well, who, who was that on the White Sox? And that became your favorite player. You collected their baseball card and what have you. And I started out as a catcher in Little League. Uh, he was the guy. Big Carlton Fisk fan. Eventually, I moved to third base. Robin Ventura became a favorite player of mine. I started playing a lot of uh, first base, Frank Thomas. And then when I got into pitching, uh, I was a huge Jack McDowell fan. So happy birthday to Carlton Fisk. And uh you know, weird, you know, that he always went into, he went into the Hall of Fame with a Red Sox hat on. But I, I, again, you, you can really, there's a lot of different theories and rumors. Apparently, he said after the fallout in the, in 1993, he would not go into the Hall of Fame with a White Sox hat on. I don't think he had the best of relationship with Boston, but, you know, that dramatic home run he hit during the World Series uh, started off with Boston. He went in as a Red Sox. The way things ended towards the end of his career uh, in Chicago, very sad. There's some, if you're a, you know, a younger fan, go back and read some of these articles of what happened to him in 1993. Uh, definitely a big fallout uh, with uh, Reinsdorf and the organization. And uh, late 90s, they retired uh, his number. And, and he's been uh, at a lot of different White Sox functions. He's been at Sox Fest before and uh, a bit of an ambassador of the organization. And uh, again, one of my all-time favorites, uh, Carlton Fist, the commander, uh, Pudge. Uh, happy birthday to him. Um, happy anniversary to the Edwin Encarnacion signing. Uh, Christmas time, 2019. Uh, that was an off-season uh, Sox signed Yasmani Grandal in, in November. Uh, missed out on Wheeler and ended up assigning Dallas Keuchel, which we're going to talk more about him later in this episode. 
And then around Christmas, the big Edwin Encarnacion signing. Here's going to be our DH of 2020. Uh, he had 34 home runs in 2018 for Seattle and New York, played in 109 games, getting up there in age. But you know what? We were seeing what Nelson Cruz was doing. Hey, Edwin Encarnacion can still do it. Uh, this shores up the DH spot for the Sox. Uh, in 2020, he played in 44 of the 60 games. He only had 10 home runs, 19 RBIs, and slashed uh, a depressing 157 at 250. Uh, 377 uh, for the White Sox. Uh, hey, how about Carlos Rodon? Uh, boy, old friend, Carlos Rodon. Uh, weird to see him in a New York Yankees uh, jersey. He had that big signing uh, last week. Six years, $162 million. He got himself paid for where he went to uh, with the White Sox organization, not even getting a qualifying offer. You know, showing up in San Francisco, uh, putting together a pretty good season and then getting paid by New York uh, looked very weird in that press conference. Clean shaven and everything. Uh, very, very young, early Carlos Rodin when he first emerged on the south side. But uh, a Yankee, nonetheless, We maybe we'll see him. Uh, this year, you know, we're playing everybody and, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll see Carlos Rodon, uh, in our building. What about a Dylan Cease, Carlos Rodon matchup? How about that? Speaking of Dylan Cease, you know, enjoy him. I, I got to say this again, folks, enjoy him this coming year and beyond while he's in a white Sox uniform. You're seeing what starting pitchers are getting, especially this off season. And uh, man, I, I hope the white Sox one day will pay for starting pitching, whether it's giving an extension to homegrown talent that's not named John Danks or going out and, and just picking up a mega free agent that's a starting pitcher. It's something that the Sox have just never done. So, hey, I'm glad Carlos Rodon got his money. Uh, he earned it. Uh, what a turnaround he has had. Enjoy the White Sox pitching that we have right now while we while we have it. Uh, interesting article uh, from MLB.com. Will Leach uh, wrote the article. I don't know if you saw this. Maybe it showed up in your email. One holiday wish for every fan base. And I think Will Leach hit it right on the head here. This was uh, what he wrote about for the Chicago White Sox. All that young talent uh, to be together at once. Uh, there's so much here all primed to peak at the same time that you'd think the White Sox would have to stay healthy enough to explode at some point. It hasn't happened yet, but maybe this year. Boy, Willie hit it right on the head. Stay healthy. That's the motto uh, once again, I think, in 2023. But you got Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson, Yoan Mankata, Andrew Vaughn now. Uh, and then you also take a look at Colas and Benatendi. Grandal's getting up there in age. I don't know if I'd really call him, uh, you know, the young talent, but boy, if you can keep him healthy. And then on the pitching side, Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech, Giolito, they just all haven't been healthy for an extended period of time. We've seen, you know, some stretches, 10 days, two weeks. I, man, can we get, can we get half a season? Can we get four and a half, five months, hopefully towards the back end? So they go into the postseason you know, on a hot streak, but uh, he hit it right on the head with this. Yes, that's my wish, too, for this team. Health and these young guys. Can we get Robert and Jimenez to play in 140 games this coming season? Wow. Hope for health. 
Uh, and then, of course, a big one that we missed towards the end of last week. Danny Mendick. Uh, what could have been for Danny Mendick if he didn't get uh, hurt talking about health? Uh, he signed with the New York Mets. New York Mets are signing everybody, including our utility guys. Uh, Danny Mendick, he signed a one-year, uh, $1 million uh, contract. I want to talk further about him. I mean, there are internal options for the White Sox at second base, but I'm going to tell you why the White Sox should have held on to Danny Mendick. Uh, more on that uh, in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season and to basketball. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, uh, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So uh, it's going to be another year here in a matter of days. We are going to be looking uh, at 2023 and new year, same issues for the White Sox, specifically second base. A great article by Daryl Van Scoven covering the White Sox for the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, that was a couple days ago. Article entitled White Sox looking at internal options for second base. Uh, we have talked about that on this podcast. You have talked about it with your friends and coworkers and, and family members that are White Sox fans. This has been going on for a long, long time since the Gordon Beckham era. We have been looking for a consistent second baseman, somebody that can match up with Tim Anderson, and that could be our you know, bread and butter for a whole season and multiple seasons. There's some chemistry there, strength up the middle. We need it. Looking probably internally, unfortunately, right now. This is what Scoven had to write in the article. Left field and second base were the two unsolved areas in the lineup this offseason. And indications are the remaining allotted resources were spent on Benatendi, leaving second base for internal options, uh, bearing a trade rather than uh, spreading the cash over two needs. Uh, trading a high-salaried player such as closer Liam Hendricks, Van Scoven wrote, uh, would free up more money and could bring a second baseman in return. Hendricks is owed $14 million in 2023. Uh, but the White Sox run a risk wishing uh, Hendricks were parked in the bullpen to nail down games in the ninth inning come September, uh, not to mention a hope for October. And I think that's a great point by Daryl Van Scoven. That is, of course, the other side with the trade. Uh, oh, you're losing out on a lockdown, a big time closer. Uh, nails, really. Uh, Liam Hendricks. Can Ronaldo Lopez do it? Sure. Can other players do it? But are you really going to rely on somebody trying to figure out that role, which is a very difficult role to figure out? It's a mental thing. You're just, you're cut from a different type of mold. Uh, Hendricks has got that mold. He is that type of person. And if the Sox can figure this thing out, uh, they can surprise a lot of folks themselves maybe, and they can compete in a, in a division that they, they absolutely can get back and, and, and win it, it. The AL central is winnable. You're going to want that lockdown closer. So that that's a risk uh, in trading him, but I get it. You might get a second baseman in return. Uh, Van Scoven 
laid out the options. You got Lenin Sosa, uh, the legend, Lurie Garcia, and of course, Romy Gonzalez. Uh, Romy Gonzalez got a boost from Van Scoven in this article. Uh, he wrote, by going with Romy Gonzalez, a versatile 26-year-old with 142 Major League plate appearances at second base, the Sox uh, would be going with a lineup that could look like this. Uh, Anderson at shortstop, an attendee uh, left field, Luis Robert center, Aloy Jimenez left field, uh, DH probably, Yoan Mancata third base, Andrew Vaughn first base, uh, Yasmati Grandal catcher, Oscar Colas right field, and Romy Gonzalez second base. Uh, Gonzalez uh, slash 238, 257, 352 with two home runs in 32 games in 2022. A season turned upside down when his tonsils were removed in June after a lengthy, mysterious period of illness while playing at Triple A Charlotte. The 6'1, 215-pound Gonzalez, who stole 21 bases and hit 20 home runs playing in a spacious park for Double A Birmingham in 2021, regained his health and played 25 games at second base. Uh, from August 24th to the end of last season. The Sox like his athleticism, defensive versatility, and raw power, but Gonzalez struck out 39 times and walked twice in 2022. I mean, that's going to be expected uh, facing big league pitching for really the first time. Um, uh, and, you know, you're going to, they are figuring you out, you're figuring them out. That is going to happen. Uh, so aside from Gonzalez, you've got Sosa and Garcia. A Sun Times article mentions Rodriguez, Jose Rodriguez, and Jake Berger. Uh, Rodriguez, the Sox number seven prospect, was added to the 40 man roster this fall. Third baseman Jake Berger, who hit eight home runs in 51 games last season, played five innings at second base in 2022. It continues to work there. Okay, look, I don't consider Jake Berger an option at second base. And honestly, he is the great mystery of this White Sox organization, seemingly held on to in case the inevitable injury occurs. I don't get what the plan is for Jake Berger. Uh, I really hope Grafol utilizes the legend uh, Lurie Garcia in the same way Miguel Cairo did, completely off the bench. Uh, and Sosa, you know, Lenin Sosa had a very small taste in the big leagues last year. It almost felt like Larusa was angry that he was called up and made it seem like he'd have to earn his playing time, despite the fact that he was brought up for exactly that reason, playing time. It was a very odd situation. And, you know, who knows what the Sox have and Jose Rodriguez. He's not a guy that invokes a ton of confidence heading into 2023, if the Sox are truly trying to make a postseason run. Uh, but if we are talking about having confidence, look, Romy Gonzalez does not give off those types of vibes either. Gonzalez is probably the best option at this point, but it makes saying goodbye to Danny Mendick so puzzling. If you don't plan on making you know, a serious upgrade at second base, again, Bring back a veteran like Mendick to at least create some competition in spring training. Or what about Elvis Andros? Haven't heard about that guy's name uh, in a while. And then, of course, Gene Segura. He might not automatically put you in the AL Elite or World Series conversation, but you're figuring out a situation at second base, okay? Throwing money at a problem, essentially. Second base and the whole holiday tradition just seems like an island of misfit toys uh, for Boy, a long, long period of time, and it looks like 2023 uh, is going to be another one of those situations. I just hope they figure out second base early internally in Arizona, pick somebody, and move forward.
Maybe the White Sox couldn't win every category, but I'm going to tell you why 2022 produced enough bad for the Sox to definitely be mentioned among the worst of the worst in all of baseball. More on that uh, in a moment. Worst performances of 2022. There was an article in The Athletic by Grant uh, Bisbee. White Sox were mentioned twice in the article, and I think that was just being kind. Uh, They should have been hit with a few more awards here. So worst starting pitcher was given out to Dallas Keuchel of the White Sox, Diamondbacks, Rangers. Dallas Keuchel finished with a minus 2.6 war, according to baseball reference, uh, just a tick worse than Patrick Corbin, who's finished with 19 losses. Uh, Keuchel managed to pack a lot of unfortunate baseballing into a limited space, making just 14 starts. It wasn't the worst war in history for a pitcher with fewer than 15 starts, but it was close. Harry Cauliflower was worse in 1899 for the Cleveland Spiders. And while you didn't know that, it's just tough to even mention. Uh, Keiko made eight starts with the White Sox and posted a 7.88 ERA, which of course got him released. Then he made four starts with the Diamondbacks and posted a 9.64 ERA, which got him released. Then he made two starts with the Rangers and posted a 12.60 ERA, which got him released. Somehow, nobody picked him up for their postseason run. Keuchel is a former Cy Young Award winner and a World Series winner, so don't be too hard on him, but he sure had a lousy season. Wow, you could say that again. Uh, I really thought when they released Dallas Keuchel, Boy, we're trimming the fat, and the season's going to go a different direction. That that era, that whole Dallas Keuchel era, I just as much just forget that whole thing. Uh, worst managerial decision. Uh, this athletic article had, of course, uh, Tony Larusa doing that. White Sox versus Dodgers, June 9th. I was unfortunately at this game, but a memorable game. Uh, you you can always say, "Hey, I was at this," where it seemed like Tony Larusa kind of lost his mind here. Uh, La Russa was always a bad idea for the White Sox. This article wrote uh, they have a young they had a young team that needs the a deft touch of a modern baseball mind. And La Russa was not that he turned 79 on the penultimate day of the regular season, but he wasn't around the team to see it because he'd already retired due to health concerns. His second tour with the White Sox uh, was not a good one and uh, put a real sour taste on his Hall of Fame uh, career. On June 9th, LaRusa ordered an intentional walk to Trey Turner, who was down in the count, one and two. It was to get to a left-on-left matchup against Max Muncy, which you can understand, even if Muncy had never had problems with lefties in his career. But Turner had two strikes on him. There were two outs. After getting to a one and two count, Turner has been a 223 hitter uh, career. Uh, that made national news, of course, and turned, turned LaRusse into the butt of a joke and, and the White Sox into a pitiful organization for holding on to TLR. A possible additional awards could have been given out to the White Sox. Worst, most disappointing season, of course. Worst base running play, that triple play. Uh, against, I believe it was the Minnesota Twins. Oh my goodness, nightmare still about that. And worse excuse for an outfield, putting Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets in the same outfield, uh, horrible. 
uh, hopefully, hopefully, we're, we're, we're hoping for health and a turnaround uh, in all different sorts of ways in 2023. Folks, thank you so very much for making this podcast part of your daily routine. You can find the Lockdown White Sox podcast absolutely everywhere you find your podcast. We're on Twitter at Lockdown Sox. You can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB. Thanks for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. Biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Speaking of YouTube, also go out, check out, uh, subscribe to the Lockdown White Sox YouTube channel. All you got to do is just search uh, Locked on White Sox. Uh, coming up in the next episode, I'll continue to take a look at offseason scenarios for the White Sox as the Pedro Grafol era moves full steam ahead and we continue to count down 2022. Really appreciate you making time for the Locked on White Sox podcast. I'm Nick Murawski. Until next time, go Sox.